up, everyone? Welcome to Good Theology. I am joined by our wonderful hosts, Jake and uh, Jake Sweetman and David Campbell. Yeah. And I'm your producer, facilitator, mediator, Josh Garcia. And today we're going to have an exciting conversation, continuing on the Beatitudes. And we've got a really exciting one, something that is indeed very happy. But before that, just wanted to see, how are you guys? Well, I'm doing good. Um, David doesn't like my haircut, but I try not to take that personally. Um, yeah, I have nothing to complain about. Okay. How are you, David? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. All the, cool. all the better as I'm blessed with a son-in-law who loves putting my Ikea stuff together. It truly is a blessing. It really is. We should yeah. insert that into the Beatitudes. Mm. Blessed are those who have son-in-laws that could build IKEA furniture. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get into today's conversation. For they shall not lose their salvation. There you go. <laughs> Our conversation is going to revolve around a very happy Beatitude, Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12. And so I'll just go ahead and read it. And then we got some initial thoughts from you guys. Okay. Um, and I have a few questions I wanted to ask you about it. Great. So it says here, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Interesting beatitude. Yeah. Happy, happy are the persecuted. Doesn't get any more paradoxical than that. I don't think it uh, necessarily does. Right. So let's get started with some initial <laughs> thoughts from both of you. Okay. Initial thoughts are that Christians should expect to be persecuted, um, but at the same time, we should understand that the kind of persecution that Christ has in view there is wildly different to what we uh, would experience here, at least in this current day. Right. Uh, in the West. Um, so those are my initial opening thoughts. Cool. I, I don't want to overplay the persecution hand yeah. as a uh, a guy sitting on a really nice couch right. in a really wonderful building. And, and a nice haircut. And honestly, a great haircut. So. How about you, David? Tertullian, one of the early church leaders, said um, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And what he meant by that was that where there is serious persecution, the church thrives. Uh, and I think part of the reason for that is the church is meant to be, uh, and what it was as Jesus established it, a countercultural movement. So we're always swimming against the tide. If we're doing that, we're going to encounter opposition. Because if you're pushing out the boundaries of the kingdom, then you are pushing back uh, the kingdom of darkness. And in my experience of a lifetime, Satan has never given up an inch of his kingdom willingly. Mm. And so therefore, the kingdom advances, but there's always a cost to be paid. Right. And uh, we see that even the other day with churches being destroyed, church buildings being destroyed in people's homes in Pakistan, for instance. Uh, there's more persecution around the world today of Christians than there ever has been before. But paradoxically, I know it's easy for us to say in the relative comfort that we live in, but it is, uh, it's a good sign because the power of the gospel is going forward to the nations of the earth. Right. And, and so I wanted to start with that beginning thought about persecution and like, do we maybe have a misunderstanding of 
what persecution actually is that will lead us to not see blessedness in it. Cause that's not your immediate thought when you're going through something like that. Um, and so maybe there's some insight on the persecution that they were experiencing back then and how that would factor into the audience that Jesus was speaking to and why he would, um, uh, speak on persecution in this manner. I think the, the blessing in being persecuted is knowing, knowing what side you're on. Right. So if you are persecuted for being a son of God or a daughter of God, the blessing is in the fact that you, you know, you belong to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and relationship with him is your, your highest prize. And that's not just some like empty imaginative thing, but yeah. it's a real thing, having relationship with him. And there is real joy and real peace, real blessing uh, in that, uh, that ultimately amounts to an, an eternal hope. Yeah, and so if we're willing to endure whatever difficulties come, and I, I certainly believe that difficulties come, and I love David's perspective there in terms of um, ultimately grounding uh, persecution in the combative work of Satan himself against the church. Right, I, I think that's spot on. Even in the midst of those things, though, we find ourselves blessed because Christ is our greatest yeah. treasure. I like that. And like again, it's very easy to say. Yeah. sitting here where we are. Um, but testimonies that you hear from people who are in real life and death persecution yeah. um, circumstances uh, would, would definitely align with that yeah. perspective. I guess I want to stay there before I ask um, David what he thinks, but like, how can we living in like a first world country resonate or um, take out from this passage what, what I guess Jesus is hoping for us to take out of it. Well, I think to David's point, it's um, not allowing comfort to make us complacent. Right. So the, the human tendency is once you have to hoard, to try and keep, to do everything we can to not lose whatever comforts that we have gained in our society. Um, and we are uh, hesitant sometimes to say true things. Yeah. Uh, and because of the cost that can come along with that. We don't want to be persecuted. <laughs> our, our flesh yeah. doesn't want to endure discomfort. And that's probably true on a lot of layers, you know, whether talking to our own congregations as pastors or talking to the wider culture on right. Instagram, you know, both of those things are, they're different platforms and, and contexts. Yeah. But in either case, we, we don't want to be disliked right. um, at, at a bare minimum. So part of being a Christian is being okay and embracing the fact well, jesus said it like this woe to you when all men speak well of you mm. and so if our aim in life is to be spoken well of by everybody then i'm not sure that we are living the way god jesus yeah, wants us to embracing our christianity right. i'm gonna pass it over to you david well i think uh we have to watch what jesus says here carefully because he says blessed are those that who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And there are Christians running around. Um, let's, let's go back a couple of years to all the COVID hysteria that was going on. And uh, there was hysteria among Christians. It wasn't just hysteria on the other side. Uh, and so, you know, people broke the law by, uh, opening church services when you weren't supposed to and things like this. And then, you know, they get fined and claim they're being persecuted. Well, that's garbage because 
they don't fit in, they don't qualify for what Jesus says here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That's not for righteousness sake, as I define it. When you are disobeying Romans 13, you can't be righteous when you're, you know, disobeying the word of God. So I think that we need to really, before in our current social context, like for instance, if you're over in Pakistan and you're one of those Christians whose home has just been burnt, burnt down by militant Muslims because you're a follower of Christ, that's cut and dried. You're persecuted for righteousness sake. But if you're in our context and you shoot your mouth off at somebody because their, you know, political views are different than yours or they're woke or whatever, and then they bite back at you and then you claim you're persecuted, I'm sorry, you don't qualify. You're, you're persecuted because of your own stupidity or your own lack of graciousness or whatever. So I really think that, you know, when you become a Christian, we need to teach people being unpopular is part of what happens because people are convicted of if we're living righteously, if we're living in a godly way, people who are not living that way, even if we don't, uh, you know, go, uh, you know, trying to impose our views or whatever on them, just the life that we live is a con convicts them and they get angry. And we need to teach people just to, you know, get a life and get used to this. This isn't persecution. Right. It's just, um, it's just the normal Christian life. And uh, if our light is not shining the way that it should, then we're not going to get any pushback from people. But there's a difference between being unpopular with people or people saying things behind our back or, you know, the water cooler at the office, somebody, you know, is going on about us. Um, there's a difference between that and persecution. That's right. not persecution. How do you define persecution, David? Well, you know, I think that Jesus had something a little more dramatic in mind when he used the word. I think the risk of losing your life probably came into it. If you're not at risk of serious personal loss or injury, uh, then you're not, you know, that's persecution. I, I think being unpopular at the office does not qualify to me as persecution. So I think there's a couple of things in this what Jesus said here that we need to pay attention to. First of all is, are we being opposed? Let's say, let's downgrade it from persecution to just opposition for a minute. Are we being opposed because we have shot our mouth off, because we've acted in an unchrist-like manner, because we made a mountain out of a molehill in mm -hmm. something? Uh, are we being, you know, criticized? Are we just fighting fire with fire. The world is throwing dirt at us. We throw dirt back at the world. Are we being, uh, you know, criticized for that? That's one part of it we need to really look at. The other part of it is, are we even being persecuted at all? Or is it just the fact that we're living counterculturally and it's making people feel uncomfortable and they're saying things about us? And that's just part of normality that we have to kind of get a life and, and, and plow through. Um, yeah, I think that's really and, helpful. I don't know that the Bible makes those those distinctions. exact distinctions. It, I, I would see like blessed are the persecuted. The persecuted there to me are the is the summation of the previous beatitudes. 
Right. So, so those who are, are willing to embrace meekness, which is the opposite of firing off your mouth. Yeah. Um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which at times might require you to tell your neighbor that you don't agree with uh, one of their actions or their, or their viewpoints, even if you're asked. Um, it, in living out those beatitudes, being merciful when people expect you to be vengeful, right. uh, that can get you, I guess to use Christ's word here, persecuted. That seems to be what you're qualifying as being unpopular or being opposed. And I, I, I don't think that the distinction is unhelpful. Um, because we overuse the word persecution. Right. Um, and therefore, I think it can be helped, which is why I began with there's levels to this. Yeah. And what I experience is not the same as what my brother in Christ in Pakistan, right. you know, perhaps, ex- not perhaps, but experiences. Um, and so that would be my point there. I think to your point about um, uh, righteousness, and you said some some key words there, I think, Righteousness, as you define it, is, uh, I think, something important to zero in on. I agree that the shutting down of churches during COVID is not persecution because it was a uh, a mandate that was given to uh, right. all kinds of public gatherings, no matter what, whether you're Christian or, or Muslim or whatever else. Um, so I agree that that's not persecution. Uh, however, I don't totally track with you on the Romans 13 argument because I think that there are some things that Christians have to disobey, disobey from a government standpoint in order to be obedient to God. Again, to use an example of a Christian in the Middle East, their church services are illegal, period, no matter right. what, COVID or no COVID, and they have to disobey that uh, in order to gather um, as the body of Christ. So I don't think that example totally tracks all the way. I know well, that you and I that's have a long history of arguing over COVID. <laughs> but no, that's okay. it's, it's probably a dead end we should avoid, but I'm not saying that. I mean, I, I think there's a principle in Romans 13. I, I was using, applying Romans 13 to that specific example, is I think that if we are called to violate the law of God, the law of God is higher than the law of the land. Right. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. So fair enough, you know, there's going to, there, there, there will come times when we are called to disobey a human law if it violates our faith in Christ. Uh, I, I, I don't, I agree with that. It's just, I don't think that holding church services in COVID when they were supposed to not hold church services, I don't think that that qualifies for an exemption, so to speak. To Romans 13. And uh, I think we're probably agreed on that. But a- anyway, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> he's just assuming that <laughs> I would say to a certain point, yeah. I would say to a certain point, we probably are, uh, but we probably part ways at, at a certain level. Right. If the if, well, if the well, well, if, tell me where do we part ways? We might as well have a little persecution here. So you, <laughs> well, I would say that if if COVID had continued in the same trajectory that it did, and we were still required to keep churches closed, I would say there there would come a moment where uh, it it is right to question whether or not the order for the church to be closed. Uh, should be obeyed. Well, and that's something that, you know, uh, that's, that's hypothetical, uh, obviously. So therefore, you can't really say because it's if this, then that. Uh, And that's possible. I would concede that's possible. I, my guess is, Jake, that 
if you and I were church leaders in that scenario, probably we would agree on uh, when that point might come. Right. Uh, I don't think we probably have a difference of, of principle. I mean, you know, you can, there's principle and there's application. And uh, that that's where you have to walk it out in the particular circumstance that you're in. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. absolutely we're agreed on principle. We, we may have different uh, boiling points, so to speak. Different levels of application. Oh, yeah, I might have a lower threshold. Right. You know, but we kept our church you, uh, ungathered. For, we, we might. That's yeah, a, maybe we wouldn't. Yeah. That's an assumption on your part. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. But in any event, the principle we agree on, which is that it's for righteousness sake. And there are tons of cases where people feel they're being persecuted, where they just, for instance, shot their mouth off in the office uh, or, you know, made, you know, derogatory comments about um i mean you know i don't care you know we we don't let, let's use a radical example it's like the, you know the drag queens at the libraries thing obviously we don't agree with that uh and think it's wrong but if we go into a situation and shoot our mouth off and are uh, say nasty things about these people and treat them with contempt or anger or whatever then we're not using God's means to win God's ends. You know, the ends do not justify the means. And you have to do it God's way if you want God's results. And in situations right. like that, um, you know, Christians have to really calculate, like, what, how, how did Jesus operate in these situations? And uh, uh, is there, uh, you know, we don't win arguments by shouting at people even if they're shouting back at us, that's not right. And um, at the end of the day, no matter how polite you may be and how Christ-like, if you make your point that you don't agree with that kind of thing going on, which obviously we would make that point, um, we may still get mud thrown at us, but at least it's being thrown at us for the right reason, not simply right. we've been rude to people because we don't have any license to be rude to people, no matter what the circumstance. Right. And I think what uh, Pastor Jake shared earlier about this beatitude being at the very end would speak to that same way where Jesus is speaking on, hey, are you first then poor in spirit? Do you, um, are you meek, merciful? You know, or do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? And then only then can you say, it's like, okay, then I am being persecuted for righteousness sake. And I think that distinction is very important. I, I did want to ask about, again, the concept of persecution. And and David alluded this to this concept a little bit earlier about how it seems to be the marker of walking in the right path. Mm -hmm. um, and you said earlier that it's a guarantee of basically a Christian walk. Um, and so I wanted to ask, how do we balance that, that it could be somewhat of a sign of us walking in the Christian um, way but we don't end up as Christian masochists just looking for where the persecution is. Mm -hmm. How can we balance those two perspectives or should we balance it? I think there are, there are people who have a certain appetite for making noise. And those are the people who typically 
like to herald that they are being persecuted. I don't think Christians are too. I, I'm not. I'm make sure I say this the right way. Like I, I don't think that Christians should wear persecution as a badge of honor. Okay. And the only reason I hesitate in saying that is mm-hmm. my mind goes to what Paul says about bearing in his body the marks of Christ as something that I guess he is fond of and, and proud of the fact that he's, he stands for Christ to the point of being persecuted. But what I mean by it is it, it's not something that we go about, go about bragging about, especially if our persecution pales in comparison to right. what brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are experiencing because it minimizes, you know, their, their experience, I think. And so I just think it's accepting that a normal part of Christian life is to be, whether you want to use the word opposed uh, or um, being unpopular, l- certain levels of persecution. Right. And not to make a mountain out of that molehill. Mm-hmm. Th- th- these present sufferings don't compare to the glory that is to come. So don't, don't even make a mountain out of the molehill of your persecution. And I think continue to, to try to conduct our lives in Christ-like ways, which does not respond to persecution with, uh, see, I told you Christians are being persecuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Christ-like way is to respond with the remainder of the Beatitudes, particularly, I would say, uh, blessed are the meek, right? Uh, for they will inherit the earth. So, yeah, like, I guess those are my thoughts. Okay, yeah. David? Well, you know, um, well, so much comes back to eschatology, and uh, yeah. I do think we have a particular problem. <laughs> that was my fourth question. <laughs> I knew I was going to go there. I think go that ahead. we have a problem in our culture on this continent uh, which is uh, arisen due to the influence of dispensationalism. And the reason for that is that dispensationalism uh, is fixated on, you know, an apocalyptic good and evil battle, the imminent emergence of the Antichrist, and, um, and a continuous linking of biblical prophecy into current news reports and uh, with the result that Christians who have been subject to that kind of teaching uh, uh, become fearful and practically paranoid. And this came out in COVID a lot. The dispensationalists were people who are absolutely convinced that, for instance, you know, the COVID vaccine was the mark of the beast. And when you have that kind of mistaken and wrong interpretation of the book of Revelation, then uh, it, it, um, you, you know, the whole idea of what's happening around you, everything goes into overdrive because it's not just the government of your country uh, or the health authorities that are mandating something. It is the Antichrist himself who is behind this. And the whole thing, if you identify, uh, you know, actions of government with the Antichrist, um, then the whole thing instantly goes into orbit. And, um, you know, having a COVID vaccine or, you know, in certain, for instance, if you were a nurse or a doctor and you were mandated to have one so that you didn't give COVID to your patients in hospital, 
that suddenly becomes religious persecution. Now, I'm very, being very careful here to extract the debate about the merits and demerits of vaccine, all the rest of it. I'm just saying that what really made it a lot worse in the United States and in Canada in particular was this conflation, this bringing together of current events and eschatology. And it's a wrong, it was a wrong interpretation of the Bible. So all of a sudden, you're not fighting, you know, Joe Biden, let's say, for example, you're not fighting him anymore, you're fighting Satan himself. And and then people just went wacky, and also felt that justified all kinds of civil disobedience and uh, and entitled themselves to feel that they were being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. So it threw a massive wrench into the whole works. Uh, and it was really, during that time, it was so clear in the comments that came out on social media, uh, for instance, from people that that was the grid that they were looking at this whole thing, that they'd lost their rationality and that they were, you know, really misinterpreting the Bible to begin with. So that's a big, that's been a big problem the last several years on the subject of persecution and why, why people feel justified in being persecuted. They feel that, for instance, to get a vaccine was to deny Christ. And that's dispensationalism that's done that. And just to be clear, David, whatever grounds someone may have to defy mandatory vaccination, some of those grounds are valid. Uh, theology, theolo theological grounds, at least eschatological grounds, is not one of them. Right. You've got to you've got to argue it on other grounds. grounds. Right. Right. And and so that distinction, we go back again. It's like there is. There's, we need to exercise discernment in seeing like how if you can't name a problem you can't solve it right so if you if you're calling something persecution or if you're labeling something uh, as a particular kind of problem but you have it mislabeled then your all of your solutions are going to be aiming misdirected at, exactly right so it's it's important that Christians aren't bombastic in their language and uncontrolled yes. this is why it's you know meaningful for Christians to to know uh, theology right um because uh to be biblically literate because otherwise we're going to label problems in in uh, faulty ways and therefore offer up faulty solutions right very isogetical perspective on, mm -hmm. on the bible uh let's bring in the second part of that beatitude uh for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and this is the second time that this was this phrase was within those beatitudes and the first time was the very first beatitude which is uh uh what was that? Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, right. Um, and so I, 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 I was reading this and I was looking at the tense at which it was written, which is present tense. And I think common Christian idea is the, there's blessing in persecution because there's something at the other side of it. Like there's a reward. And even this beatitude speaks about a reward in heaven. But the tense at which it is, is written is blessed are the persecuted they are currently blessed and in the same way theirs is the kingdom of heaven they currently have the kingdom of heaven um how can we better understand this in our lives well because if you're not concerned about if you're, if you're not wrapped up in the fear of man but the fear of god then god is who you get and uh if if i'm 
if I'm okay with being persecuted or opposed by uh, people um, for the sake of, of, of being submitted to and united to Christ, then Christ is who I have. Right. And Christ, the King, he is the embodiment of the kingdom. There, there you get your supreme, supreme happiness. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He is, he is ultimate blessedness. Right. Um, and I have actual communion with him. In him, I have real peace and joy. In him, I have the forgiveness of my sins. I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly yeah. places in Christ Jesus. And uh, he is the one who, gosh, I've been wrapped up in language in Ephesians the last couple of days where Paul talks about how he fills all in all and he, and he will fill the whole universe. And that's the one I'm joined to. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, the kingdom is presently mine. Of course, there's a not yet factor to it without yeah. question. Um, but that doesn't minimize the the presence of the like now. You don't have to wait for the passing of the persecution or the passing of the present trouble to mm -hmm. be blessed. Mm -hmm. Right. David, any thoughts on that? Oh, I agree. Well, I don't know if I could add anything much. Very concise. Um, but that's that's this this beatitude um can be difficult for us to understand from at least our um own experiences and point of view mm -hmm. um, and what we experience. And I think today's discussion has been very fruitful in being able to bring that to a practical level and not just in, in, in a, an abstract um, level of persecution. Um, but I wanted to see if you have any more final thoughts on this beatitude. Well, I would just say that even in the West, I think sometimes we paint the West with a pretty broad brush um, in terms of um, what manner of persecution we can expect to experience, but th there will be difference there yeah. from a city like Los Angeles to uh, a small town in the Midwest. Uh, and so I, I think these things have a, it's my least favorite word, but they have a lot of nuance to them <laughs> um, because they do. And so our experience out here in Los Angeles is, is going to be a particular kind especially where our church is. I mean, yes. we are in a very progressive part mm -hmm. of Los Angeles. We're not like out in the burbs. And so that's going to bring with it a particular kind of experience. It's also going to inform some of my views. Right. Um, and uh, that's important. I think we take that into account when we're trying to understand what someone means when they say, I'm being persecuted. Right. Um, and so that's probably a good other side to the coin is not not jumping right away to saying somebody's being dramatic or, or, or bullheaded, you know, in their description, but I think taking time to understand why people think a certain thing, they might still be wrong right. or mislabeling mm -hmm. you, but I think that's an important thing to say as well. Right. David concluding thoughts. Yeah. I think maybe one of you said this at the beginning, but it is worth saying again, um, that in this, uh, verse 10, uh, dealing with persecution, the other Beatitudes, um, except for the very first one, the reward is always in the future. But here the mm -hmm. reward is in the past. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I think Jesus was, you know, obviously had a point that he was trying to make. Um, I mean, not, number one, Jesus brought in the kingdom of heaven in his ministry. It isn't something that is reserved for some suppose a thousand year earthly millennium um the kingdom is now it's here and uh and what but what jesus was reminding people of was if even if you're persecuted even if you suffer heavily you do have a reward now it, i mean there is a greater reward coming but 
you do have a reward. I can't say that word. You do have a reward now. Reward. It is actually hard to say that word to me. Reward. Reward. We get you, David. And well, thank you. Many don't, but anyway. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, uh, and at times in my life when I felt, you know, that I've been treated badly, let's put it that way. I'm not saying persecuted, but treated badly. (laughs) You know, the Lord has always reminded me that I do have him in his presence. He's never withdrawn that and that it's worth more to be in the kingdom of heaven and to have the kingdom of heaven in that sense, uh, to be in the kingdom of heaven and, and, and now to be able to experience that regardless of the stuff that's going on in the world around. And, uh, you know, you look at stories of the martyrs and you see people who are just incredibly um, uh, steadfast, even in the face of death. Uh, and uh, we we're driving along a road in, in England with some friends in a place called Banbury. And he just stopped the car and said, you know, right over there, there's a little plaque. Um, two young men, like 19, 20 years old, uh, were burned at the stake because they possessed the Bible. And they just, they they were called upon to recant, you know, to renounce Christ. And they said, well, how how can we renounce Christ when he's given everything for us? And we went to the church where the trial was held. It was a kind of an eerie thing. The, the amazing thing was that it's a Church of England, Anglican Church, but spirit-filled congregation. So, you know, the gospel is going forth in that very place where, you know, 350-odd years ago, these young men were killed simply because they possessed the Bible and were reading it. But they, along with... Sorry? You said that was in England? In, In a place called Banbury near Oxford in England. And when you read accounts of people, you know, who are being martyred or threatened with that, you see this tremendous peace that God gives so often. And I think it's that acknowledgement that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's something they have now that they're in now. And it's a mysterious thing. It's beyond our understanding uh, because we haven't been challenged to that point, but I believe and trust God that if if I was that, you know, I would have that absolute assurance that the kingdom of heaven that I am in now, not in the fu- just in the future, but even now w- is more real than what is going on in this present world. And, and I think that should be a comfort and encouragement to all of us, whether we're being persecuted or not. We are in the kingdom of heaven and uh, God is with us. And whenever I hit a hard time in my life, I just keep going back to God and say, well, Lord, just remind me that you're with me. Give me some little sign, some whatever, you know, that you're you're with me. As long as I know that you're with me, I can make it through no matter what. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're yeah. in the kingdom of heaven. It's a, it's a, anyway, it's just something that Jesus says here. When he changes from 
you know, just reaching my phone with the Bible, where it changes here from they shall inherit the earth, they shall be comforted, you know, they shall be satisfied, they shall receive mercy, they shall see God, they shall be called sons of God. Then all of a sudden, theirs is, not there shall be, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Powerful. So powerful. Yeah. And not just Christ with us, but we with Christ mm. now, seated in Christ in heavenly places. Yeah. So it's it's not even just that he's here with me present in my broken reality, but that I am present with him in his perfect reality. Amazing. And it's it's been so amazing how fruitful discussion could be on um just a few a few words in the Beatitudes. Um we went from, you know, persecution and then to a little bit of politics. Um David's not <laughs> David can't help himself. <laughs> Um, and it went to eschatology. And so um, that was honestly beautiful and helps ground for some, us. For somebody who doesn't like talking about politics, he, he sure does talk about <laughs> politics a lot. Well, there you go. No, I'm being persecuted now. <laughs> ah, now he's being persecuted. Right. And I just invited, um, but in case, in case there's any pedantic people out there, the place I was in in England wasn't Banbury. It was Newbury. But it is near Oxford. And is also renowned as the place where the men's suit, the man's suit, was invented. Wow! So, apart from persecution, there was some tailoring. What ideological grounds did they burn Christians at the stake there? Was that like peak enlightenment? Those young men, I believe, were found either in possession of a Bible or reading the bible and I, that was their crime mm. but but who persecuted them was it the catholic church well, was it, it, it it was the catholic church it was mm. it was um it was i i think off the top of my head in it was in when king henry the eighth who brought in the reformation in england um even though his you know personal life was a little bit trumpian we might say uh to get political uh, maybe even more dramatic because he had eight wives and killed off a couple of them. Anyway, nevertheless, he did bring in the Reformation. And, uh, but when he died, his son, Edward, uh, was very sickly and, and he died. And then Queen Mary came in, who threw over the whole thing and instituted Catholicism again. And I, I think it was during that just a very brief period before Queen Elizabeth came, the first came to the throne, where that intense persecution occurred, it would have been, uh, you know, in the 1550s somewhere, I think. And that's, that's when that mm -hmm. happened. Um, Got it. There's just so much history there. Okay. Yeah, I think you had said, maybe you said 550 years ago, I heard 350. And so I was trying to place that in my historical well, timeline. I lost of my what would have been the 15, ideology at play there. 2000 minus 1550. Martyrdom. Uh, right. I guess that's 450. So we're all wrong. Anyway, it was a long time ago. Even I, though I've in this broadcast been described as elderly and not did not <laughs> live to see those events. Oh my gosh. Well, Thank you, Pastor Jake. Thank you, David, for today's discussion. Thank you for all of you that joined us today on Good Theology. Uh, we so loved having this discussion with you. Hope you can join us again next week. Next week. God bless you. We'll be here. Bye, everybody. 